Welcome to Schmigadoonery, the podcast where we dissect and review the TV show Schmigadoon. I'm your host, Derek Byers, and joining me from Birmingham, Alabama, is my co-host and best friend, Liv. How are you doing? What is up? How, How are, you, are doing? you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. Um, I'm excited. We just got done watching the series again. Um, it was... I, let me say this really quickly, and I did not tell Derek this before we started recording because Uh-oh. I just wanted to tell him for the first time in the recording. Um, watching the entire show from start to finish, like binge watching it and not waiting um, for my like anticipation and suspense to build up in between episodes made it a little bit more palatable in the end. Um, I was very vocal last week that I did not care for the finale and I still stand by my idea that they could have done more, um, because I, I do believe that, but I'm at a place now where I'm okay with how they left it as long as the characters continue with us. I'm, I'm okay with with that, I'm, I'm still not ready to say goodbye to all of the people of Schmigadoon, and I hope that we don't have to, even if they just transition to be the same characters, but in a new town or the same, the same, you know, I, I would love to see them if we're going to transition into the next wave of musical theater, if you will, I want to see the same characters just living life in that era. Um, but I'm, I'm a little bit more satisfied with how, how it was left since, since I had to binge watch it again. <laughs> yeah. It definitely reads differently or just slightly, like, like I said, I kind of think I said last time it, it really, I think this confirms that it was more written as a musical and then divided up into the episodes instead of thinking about it episode by episode with the musical purpose of the meeting, you know, the action forward, um, but yeah, it does it does read differently and more cohesively and more like you it feels like a more satisfying meal when you kind of watch it all together. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think it, that's why the it, first couple of episodes too felt really good because you had two episodes together. And so you were getting more more chunks. You know, I think the larger chunks the better. Well, and that's why I, I almost wish that the episodes had just been hour long episodes anyways. Agreed. You know, like they could have, they could have done more. And and to be 100% honest, like there's no reason why they couldn't have done an hour long. I mean, there's no reason why Apple should have said, nope, we're not doing hour long episodes because it's their own platform, their own streaming service. Like, well, you kind their, of have their, their the liberty to do whatever It'll you want. It'll be time and money that they want to spend. That would be why they would have shorter episodes. And that's probably well, why they still. cut from eight to six. Well, still. But no, I agree with you. It's like, you know, put the proper funding and time into the art you're trying to create. 
especially when you have it. It's one thing when you're, you know, an artist trying to put something together, but it's it's another thing when you're a company creating something when you have plenty of money to do so. Correct, correct. Well, um, guys, the reason why we rewatched the whole series was because we had a question from one of our listeners um, that Derek shared with us a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah, we're going to dive into that tonight. Yeah, I think we're going to start by uh, looking at some of just looking at some of the, you know, references that uh, Iman brought up and some of the references uh, that uh, we haven't brought up yet in the series that we wanted to talk about or some of the things we wanted to bring back up. We just kind of talk about some of our favorite references. Uh, but first, I want to start out by reading, reading and talking about the um, favorites that uh, Imani sent in to us. So the first one she has in here is, in the middle of Danny Bailey's song, You Can't Tame Me, we get the unmistakable chords from West Side Story. Uh, did Danny originally come from New York, you know, just like Melissa and Josh? She questions. Um, and that we had, I think, similar questions around, um, you know, like, where did Emma Tate come from? Where did all these people come from? It, you know, where did uh, Jen Krakowski's character come from? You know, around that same vein. Yeah, um, that's actually... A really great reference. Um, the only reference that I got when I rewatched it, other than um, if I loved you, you know, Carousel, which we we had already mentioned, um, a little bit of like I'm a bad bad man from Annie Get Your Gun. But I really love the West Side Story feel. Like that's such a great catch. Um, yeah. And I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play it now. We can listen to it and and see if we can find it throughout. Because you know, we all who does this is a good song. So I don't mind listening to yeah. it. Yeah. When a squirrel wants another squirrel, he don't bother to get attached. And a robin don't think about the future when he's got an itch to be scratched. I'm like an animal in the wild, so here's a truth to which you must be reconciled. You can't tame me. This buck was meant to be free. A cowgirl on the range in El Paso smiled at me and got out her lasso. And that's when I put on the gas so you can't tame me. A music teacher named Annabella Tried her best to make me her fella But I choose to live a cappella You can't tame me It's true But if anyone could 
could be someone like Yes, I think the part that she's talking about, the section uh, back here, let me see, go back to the dance section, that there. Yeah, that, 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 you hear that in front of every major, like, fight scene in West Side Story, when they're all kind of, like, lurking around and in the alleys, and, yeah. And then <laughs> right after little... that, we have kind of, like, Another reference, which I think we brought up, is that this is, you know, and if I loved you, um, he's. This is pretty much the same thing from the a song in Oklahoma, "If I Loved You," coming out of mm -hmm. the dance break. Um, this part here. And somehow I can see. Exactly how it'd be And then it goes into in a and this is very, very Rogers and Hammerstein and a tractor that always needs fixing. And the you and the not the eulogy. There's not a eulogy, but the um I can't think of the word in carousel. Um the song that he sings. That's how I want to go. I want to go one day apart from James. <laughs> one day apart? Why one day yeah. apart? Because <laughs> then I only have to live on Earth one day without him. That's sweet. Tell me something. Jordan. Now I'm going to attempt to find the beginning of this song. You couldn't take any because you'd ask and I'd give it to you. In the war. Stickler. But it wouldn't make any. How it be. No, I don't. Sucks. I loved you. Here it is. But you don't. No, I This don't. is from Carousel. But somehow I can see just exactly how I do. If I loved you. 
so yeah i mean they they, they took like you know their, their references vary from a slight nod to to we're going to take these exact measures out of this song and put over here which is uh, you know i think is part of what really helps sell some of the the references that aren't quite pushed to the front you know yeah so let's look at her next one. So her next one is when Josh and Melissa first notice there being a town in the forest, Melissa says that she can hear church bells and Josh asks if she often hears church bells that no one else can hear the way that Tracy and Hairspray. Her, I was hear literally bells. as soon as you started reading that, I was like, Hairspray, can you hear the bells? <laughs> oh, man, I don't I'm not going to say that that's that's not a reference at all but i would have not caught that so amani that is wow like there's two here that i'm just like wow i wouldn't have even thought that and i think part of the reason why i wouldn't have thought that is because we were watching it and one thing i will say to amani really quickly is girlfriend this um challenge for us to find other references was so good because I really went into this. And some of the things I'm, I'm going to share later on that I noticed that I didn't notice the first time I watched it um, are still golden agey. But I went into watching this through the lens of golden age musical theater. So all of these subtle little hits to things that are not that, I missed. But I love, I, I don't know that that's a reference to hairspray but i i like to think it is i love hairspray so yeah no i do too we in fact we we did that together once that show together once mm -hmm. yeah no i've done hairspray multiple times it's 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 a really good show all right here's the next one so the next point is there are also more subtle ones. I think the overload of chocolate for the vending machine and the opening scene with childbirth and references to, sorry, our references to Roald Dahl's stories turned musicals. Charlie and the Charlie, well, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, where the chocolate is what takes you to a magical world, and Matilda that almost opened with Matilda, with Matilda being born. That's pretty good. I actually thought um, Matilda was referenced later on um, in the scene at the school with um, the song With All of Your Heart because the kids were spelling. And that little spelling bee moment is very Matilda. Um, so it could be, I mean, it, it, it could just be their way of being trying to tie more modern times to the period that they were living in um, in the show so that way they can stay connected to the real world or to New York City or to whatever it is that hopefully season two will tell us. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see with season two. Hopefully. So the next one, uh, there are some that are a bit, a bit of could have been an accident or could have been unintentional. Uh, the walk that Josh and Melissa go on is called the Sacred Heart Trail 
like the Covenant of the Sacred Heart in Chicago. And when Josh, uh, also the Covenant with the Convent of the Sacred Heart in Chicago, there's also the Convent of the Sacred Heart here in New York. Um, when Josh tries to stop the company singing Lover Spat, he says, please, no song. I'll do anything just like from an Oliver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's another moment in Oliver where the same thing. It's like, please, no song. I'll do anything. Mm-hmm. I um didn't think Chicago. I did write down the Oliver reference. Um, and the only reason why I caught that one, honestly, is because Duncan Smith, who is no name to anybody else, um, but he played my son when I was in White Christmas. I was just, you know, a background character. And he was my son when we got on the train. And he sang dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. And that's another story for another time. But my character in that that whole show, there was something going on with me. <laughs> what show was that? In White Christmas. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you know what? No, I'm going to share it really quickly because it's actually funny. So in White Christmas, um, I was the background character. I was a supporting role. You know, I d- didn't have any major things. But in one scene, they had me in the background getting proposed to by... My friend, John, who is, who he's, he's white. And I'm just bringing that up. You'll know why I'm bringing that up in a minute. So he proposes to me in one scene and I tell him no. Like they, they told me to say no, to make it this really awkward moment in the background. So that's what we did. The very next scene, like the very next scene, I walk off stage, throw on a jacket to look like I'm in a different costume. I am a single mother getting onto a train with my Jewish son. And I know we're Jewish because he sings dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made it out of clay. And then a couple of scenes later, I now have a daughter as well. And then I end the show with my two children decorating a Christmas tree, all snuggled up with my black man. And I just, every time I think about my character development in that show, I just bust out laughing because none of it makes sense. But anyways, I caught the Oliver reference because Duncan played Oliver not too long after he was my son. And I went and sat on the front row with huge signs that said, um, I love you, Sonny, and just got him flowers and stuff. So I caught that reference because only because of him, um, because that show just brings a warm, fuzzy feeling to my heart. Yeah, and that was him's first show in the new theater at Lee High School, too. It was. It was. Our high school got totally revamped, and um, that was the first show. You knew Vivian was going to make sure an imp show was the first show there. Oh, yeah. Because no, at the we, time, at the like, time oh, she was in the town working. will be the first show in there. You remember that? I was like, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. And then let's look at, let's see, her last. Is, oh, the last thing she has in here is. And then a particular favorite of mine, uh, the big sign of Hammerstein's and Sons, which is not just to mention Hammerstein's name, but also the pun of the fact that it was uh, that he was Oscar Hammerstein II. Uh, what do you think is a great, yes, in the back, um, there's uh, Hammerstein's son, and I believe it was one of the ones that you were going to talk about as well, Lynn. 
Yeah, that was one of the things that I caught um, that I had actually written down and, and shared with Derek prior prior to us recording. So, um, you know, um, hats off to you, Imani. I think I think what's so great about this and about what she's noticed and about what she's you know seen is that it really just goes to show you show you how many small details there are hidden throughout any show, but especially a show like this where the entire concept is to like essentially be a parody to everything musical theater. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that she, she caught those. Yes. No. And thank you to Imani for emailing in and sending those into us and kind of getting us started with some of those. And so we, we let's go, you know, want to go into talking about, I see another one, another building, since we're on that subject, that we noticed in the background was also <laughs> the Apple store, that there was an Apple store um, in the ground, but it was more so marketed to sell actual apples because you apples. wouldn't have iPhones mm-hmm. there. But I thought that was neat and kind of cheeky. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they had to. Of course, of, of course, Apple TV is going to promote Apple. Oh, yeah. Like, of course, no, no question about it, but it was cute. Um, and, and I liked it. <laughs> you know, it was good. So what, what are some of the other ones that you had, Lynn? Um, so one of the things that when I was rewatching it, it kind of dawned on me, I think maybe we kind of glossed over it about how the, um, the opening credits, looked um but i don't think that like we really stress the fact that if you watch any golden age musical in like a movie format that is how the credits are all the credits are in the beginning first is the end um and it's very apparent that they really wanted to mimic that they wanted to mimic that so much that even characters um who are not in every episode who maybe are only in one, for instance, um, the leprechaun and the countess. And um, so what are their names? Martin Short and Jane. Um, Krakowski. Krakowski. Yes. Sorry. It slipped my mind. Um, they're, they're listed every single episode and, you know, in most modern TV and stuff, that's, that's not common. If they're in one episode, they're, they're considered to be more of like a guest star. And so they're listed in that one episode. Um, but they wanted this to feel super authentic. It's that, I mean, that's apparent. And so they're listed every single time. And I think it's great. And when I was paying attention to that, you know, I, I paid really close attention to the marketing and to the writing and much like Oklahoma, which we see a lot, especially in that first episode. I mean, the entire opening number is a parody of Oklahoma from Oklahoma. Um, but we see an exclamation point at the end of the word schmigadoon and Oklahoma kind of is the one that like started that and you know it's Oklahoma exclamation point and so now it's schmigadoon exclamation point and I just thought that that was a a cute little nod um yeah you had a trend of the musicals in that era up until about West Side Story that were these like exclamations of like you'd have like oh boy was on Broadway and blah 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 the exclamation points it was like very common 
the trend, you know, for a lot of those things, exclamations to be like one word or like two words with an exclamation to catch people's right. attention, you know, um, Broadway. Ah. Right. Right. Um, I um, also was looking at in the opening number, we are introduced to Betsy's six sisters, Lori, Carrie, Nellie, Fiona, Cindy, and Tootie. And all six of those names um, reference a main character from another musical. So like Lori is Oklahoma, Nellie is South Pacific, Fiona is Brigadoon, Tootie is Meet Me in St. Louis, um, which I thought was super cute because you also see the same thing in episode two with the basket auction where um, the names that Mayor Minlove calls out, Marcellus, Barnaby, Curly, those are, those are, you know, names for um, leading characters in those shows as well. Marcellus is Music Man, Barnaby's Hello Dolly, Curly's Oklahoma. But um, so, so that was cute. And, um, you see the whole, like referencing and names again at the schoolhouse with the kids, they have Zanita and Tommy, which are both, um, characters in music, man. Um, so that was all great. But the, the, the thing that I noticed specifically about Betsy and her sisters are that there are seven of them and all seven of them have a different color dress, which is exactly like seven brides for seven brothers, where every sister is in a different color pastel dress. So. Yeah, no, Seven Brides, Seven Brothers was, was, it's another one of those musicals too. All of these musicals from the golden age too, you know, because they were also shows that high schools throughout the, you know, 60s to through now did. Uh, And so that was always another, like that, Little Abner, Oklahoma, all mm-hmm. the all the shows that we're referencing, Music Man, Hello Dolly, were all shows that were kind of great high school shows, and so that's one that that I never was in, but always remembered. And I've seen the movie; it's also got a movie. And most of these musicals mm-hmm. too also have one have movies. multiple mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that's you know why they chose to start there too is they ha- they can all share that in in common, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Well, another couple of things that I noticed were um. <laughs> I-, I told Derek before we started recording. I feel kind of like an idiot that we didn't really mention this before. We talk about the Music Man so much, especially in reference to Emma and to Carson. Um. It is very apparent that their storyline, their characters, are very strongly derived from from that show um and one of the key points in music man is the romantic spot from that marion and harold show i mean share and why we never ever ever referenced or correlated the fact that the bridge here in schmigadoon is essentially the romantic spot from well, and Emma calls at one point, you know, the footbridge. She says something about the footbridge, or no, Betsy calls says something about going to the footbridge. I've never been to the footbridge before, blah blah blah, which is pretty much directly, from yeah, because she's too busy making out at that high school place. <laughs> <laughs> 
She's at her spot with her man, okay? She she was she was innocent. She had never done any of those things before. Just the other girls. Mm-hmm. She'd never been there before yet. She knew everything about that spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Anyway, but I I mean I feel like you know we've we have talked about the significance of this bridge, but I don't think we have ever directly said how it is referencing the the romantic spot. Yeah. In Music Man, you know, um, so I don't know. Um, I'm gonna skip forward a little bit. I do have like some some more in depth song references that I'll come back to because I have to kind of do that episode by episode, or I'll get myself confused. Um, but another big thing I noticed was in the finale, the mayor is reelected and a parade comes rushing through. And if you've seen Music Man, you're familiar with it, then go back and watch it and you'll recognize that the band is dressed exactly like the band in Music Man from 76 Trombones. Um, so another little Music Man nod there. And then I think that in a way, they tried to write in little nods for, for characters throughout. I know that we had mentioned um, the broom with Kristen Chenoweth's character and how that could just be a great little nod to Wicked for her. But also, I, I mean, and this could be a, a really big stretch, but um, Emma, who's played by... Um, Ariana DeBose says, NYC is the greatest city in the world. You know, that's how she references it. And I'm almost wondering if that's her little nod to um, her time spent on Hamilton. Um, You know, she was one of the original cast members. And if we are sending little nods to various places, um, I mean, I would assume that that would be a big one. Not just well, yeah. not just for her, but for the show as a whole. I mean, to me, the golden age is so classic and it's so timeless and it's just so good. Like it is just full of such amazing storylines and music and writing. And it's just the shows are are impeccable and they're kind of like on a par of their own. And me personally, I'm not saying that there there has not been shows since then that have been equally as great, but I think that the shows that are as equally heightened are far and few between. I mean, we have a lot of shows that come out that don't see the same success as Oklahoma or the same success as The Music Man, Um but Hamilton is definitely one of our modern day shows that really just much like the golden age in a sense, just changed the way that musical theater is viewed and is written. And to me, that giving a little nod there would almost make sense. And just like it would almost make sense for us to give that same little nod to Wicked, or even even if Hairspray, if if the I Can Hear the Bells reference is like a legit, they wrote that to be a reference for that, 
it, it would make sense to me for, for these shows that have kind of made bigger names for themselves and have also, you know, carried just such a strong presence in the lives of the people in Schmigadoon, why that those would be, they would give little nods to those, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And and I do think, I do think that is definitely a reference to, it definitely has to be a reference to Hamilton in the sense of two. Yeah. Hamilton's not the first um, person to call New York, the greatest city in the world. However, now since Hamilton, when it's referenced, when it's used in musical theater, especially in the show that's all about referencing musical theater, it's a reference to Hamilton, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I, I don't know if he's listening or not, or not but shout out to uh, our dear friend, Michael Loyer. Yes. <laughs> While we're talking about Hamilton, let's just Let's just call it for what it is. Michael is one of our friends and um, he has actually had the privilege of playing the role of Alexander Hamilton. Um, and, and Amber. And Amber. And he's the first person that was ever cast or that has ever portrayed both characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's the first person that's ever played both of them. Um, and I mean, his career literally almost overnight blew up because of that. Yep. And he's, he's so phenomenal. He was phenomenal in high school. Um, he's just, he is amazing. And you want to know how I knew he made it big. I knew that this man made it big because when Ellen DeGeneres sent some little kids to interview the cast of Hamilton, guess who was the main tour guide? Michael. And if you're on the Ellen DeGeneres show, you done made it. <laughs> That's how I feel. You have made it. Um, but no, his career has taken off. Um, and actually, he is on an NBC drama now. Um, yeah. uh, Bluff I can't, City Law, I can't I think of the is. name. What is it? It's like Bluff City Law. Bluff City like Law. That's right. He's he's on there now, guys. And I mean, he, there's not a role that Michael Loyer cannot pull off, but if he's listening, hey, Michael, loved you then, love you now. So proud of you. So proud. Um, anyways, I did find a couple more things. Um, I, I really was trying to find references to shows or, or things that we hadn't maybe noticed before um in episode two you know the mayor has his big ballad which is somewhere love is waiting for you and i know we've talked about some enchanted evening from south pacific um but i'm also wondering if you guys know i love my guys and dolls i'm also wondering if this could be a little bit more of like um more I cannot wish you from guys and dolls in in not in the sense of like tone and arrangement because the tone and the arrangement is definitely some enchanted evening but more so in the sense of like more I cannot wish you is like a mentor's advice it's like an advice song and here that's what he's doing I mean he's singing a heartfelt love ballad but in the the terms of him giving advice to Melissa, and that may be a little bit of a stretch, but I'm going to go with it because it's guys and dolls. And I love me some guys and dolls. 
Um. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I definitely feel that, um, you know, and it's playing kind of underneath this now. But and I think it is very at the sentiment of that, but also... You know, from a, like a musical theater standpoint, that's the one song that everybody's like, you know, if we cut a song, it's that. Because it's not exactly, you know, the the funnest song. I mean, it's mm-hmm. written for the character in Guys and Dolls, which is older, and it makes sense for him. But it's not the most creative song. And so I think mm-hmm. they were trying to take the sentiment from this song, and then but then give him a better song to perform. Right. Right. I I love this song. Your own true love this day. Standing there, gazing at you, full of the bloom of youth. Standing there, gazing at you, with a sheep's eye. And a licorice yeah, why does he have a sheep sign and a licorice tooth? Like, what is that about? <laughs> why? <laughs> That's why it's like, this is, it is an odd, it is a slightly odd song, but like the sentiment is odd. And it's like, yeah, it, it is a little bit of like, okay, this is an old man talking about things nobody else knows anything about, but it's fine. We get, we get what you're saying. It, it basically means that like, It's basically like having a sweet tooth for the licorice tooth. Like it's saying like you have a sweet tooth and then the sheep's sheep's eye is a reference to being like wide-eyed and youthful. So I think he's saying like he has a sheep's eye where he's like youthful and and he feels young and he feels in love and then you know some when how like back in the day people would say oh you're sweet on her you know like like you're sweet on her as in you're you're attracted to her maybe he has a sweet tooth because of the mayor and he's got the wide youthful eyes because he's in puppy love you know i i don't know you know men love aloysius they they Clearly, because the Reverend already admitted it. <sighs> okay, but that <laughs> that was one. Um, another song was we we talked. We had a very long and in depth conversation about cross that bridge, um, and just you know we we had we talked about the sit down your rock in the boat from Guys and Dolls, but. I, I kept trying to listen to it and see if I could find any other references. And I think from how to succeed in business without really trying, um, brotherhood of man is, you know, pretty close. Um, but also from South Pacific, um, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair. And the reason why I thought that was because that's a very, very, very female led ensemble number. Um, which is, which is what we see here as, as well. Um, and then with all of your heart, you know, I, I mentioned that I, I kind of thought Matilda, um, in that with the kids, like spelling and saying all of their words. Um, and I know we've talked about how, uh, 
uh, Emma is very much like Marion from the Music Man, and uh, she has a little bit of Anna from The King and I, which makes this song a little bit kind of like reminiscent of Getting to Know You from Mm -hmm. The King and I. But I think it's very prevalent here in, in her outfit, in her hairstyle. I mean, I know this is during that time frame, but especially in her outfit and her hairstyle and the way she interacts with the kids, she is Mary Poppins. 100% she is Mary Poppins. Yeah, there's definitely that teacher side of her that... Um is 100% comes from Mary Poppins, very much so. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that kind of slightly kind of, she has a strictness to her. Uh, I know nonsense about her that feels very, very Mary Poppins. Uh, But the song too, if you go back to um, the song With All of Your Heart, um, it's very very reminiscent of uh, a song called It's a Lovely Day Today. Um, by Verlin, I'm trying to find this so I can play it. Um, but if you listen to this, and then I'll play a little bit of it with all of your heart. But if you listen to the melody, the melody is very uh, reminiscent of this song. It's a lovely day today, so whatever you've got to do. You've got a lovely day to do it in, that's true. And I hope whatever you've got to do is something that can be done by two. For I'd really like to stay. It's a lovely day today. And whatever you've got to do, I'd be so happy to be doing it with you. But if you've got something that must be done And it can only be done by one There is nothing more to say Except it's a lovely day for saying It's a lovely day It's a lovely So if we go to With All Your Heart That's in the same key when you've got a job to do yeah it's very with all your heart life's profoundest joys go to girls and boys who finish what they start when faced with work the shirker shirk because it's no longer fun but the chaps for whom the whole world claps are the chaps who keep at it till the job is done. Oh, at times you'll want to but yeah, say, you can so you can hear kind of that I've direct reference, even kind of in like the bounce of the song kind of even evokes that same kind of it's a lovely day to day bounce to it. And that itself too, that 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 like the fact that she has a mantra and that that is also very Mary Poppins of having that and that that is a like very a spoonful kind of, of sugar. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I I love 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 that reference. Um, going on a little bit 
farther in the show. I'm going to take us back to um, Jane Krakowski's uh, character, the Countess. I I know that we've said she's like basically a carbon copy of the Baroness in Sound of Music. Um, however, I feel like her number, her song was a little bit inspired by Always True to You in My Fashion from Kiss Me Kate. Um, I just feel like it's, it's got that same like romantic rival feel to it, you know, um, that I don't really think we see in the Baroness. We don't see it in the Baroness because the Baroness in, um, Sound of Music just steps aside. You know, she's not fighting for, um, Captain Von Trapp's love or attention. She just gracefully steps aside and allows Maria to step in and take over. But Kiss Me Kate and Kiss Me Kate, that's not the um, that's not the case. And so I, I kind of got that that vibe a little bit more too. Yeah, and even if you look at too how she's dressed, she's mm-hmm. it actually almost feels more like her costume comes from Kiss Me Kate mm-hmm. more than it does from Schmigadoon. And what now I'm playing a little bit of um, that song from Always True to You in My Fashion, which is one of my favorite songs. It's a great song and it's a great Similarly, I think more so than than the Baroness, it's it's her song is more of this type of a character song, like the way she can she wields and sings the song. It's much more like this. Yes, I'm always true to you, darling, in my way. I enjoy a tender pass by the boss of Boston, Mass. Though his pass is middle class and not back pay. But I'm always true to you, darling, in my fashion. Yes, I'm always true to you, darling, in my way. There's a madman known as Mac who is planning to attack. His mad attack means a cannon. to you darling in my fashion yes i'm always true to you darling in my way and this too is probably the, the role too that jane Krakowski would play in the show anyways so mm-hmm. it all kind of lines up right i i i um i really when I went back and I rewatched it, I actually listened to this song two or three times because I knew it sounded familiar and I could not think of it. Um, but then James was like, oh, I think I've heard that song. My, my husband is not, um, he's not against musical theater, but it certainly has not been as strong of a love in his life as it is mine. He will listen to it. He likes to go see shows. Um, I hate him so much because he went and saw Hamilton on Broadway without me. <laughs> um, but I will, you know, let that slide. <laughs> and I don't really hate him. I, I love him, but he will um, listen. He's gotten in the habit of when we take long 
drives. Um, if we drive to see his parents who live in Chattanooga or to see my parents who live in Huntsville, you know, that's about two hours either way and that we're going and he'll sit down and he'll say, okay, what musical are we listening to? Just so he can kind of learn new shows, new things. And, um, occasionally he'll just put like Pandora on and he said, oh, you know what? I think I heard that song on Pandora. And I said, babe, there's no way that you heard this on Pandora. And, um, he actually pulled up, um, always true to you in my fashion from kiss me, Kate. He was like, is this not it? And I was like, no, but thank you because you just helped me so much in what I needed to know. (laughs) Yeah. So good job, husband. Yay, James. James (laughs) Um, Why don't we wrap it up with, with one more, one more reference. Yeah, I I have one more. Um, hmm, which one do I want to share? I have a couple more, but I, okay, I only have one more that's really worth discussing. The other two I can just say real quick and in, in a passing glance. There's a couple of lines that Doc Lopez says um, that are very very reminiscent to lyrics in "Bye Bye Birdie." Um, his actual sentence that he says is oh gosh let me pull back up um is i want you to mold me and make me the man you want me to be that's very bye bye birdie and the other one this is a very big stretch guys but the final song this is how we change i don't i don't know if it's a nod to the modern musical next to normal but i kind of got a lot of the vibe from the song light in that musical but the one thing that i really wanted us wanted us to talk about is josh's song you make me want to sing um the somber tones of that song i I feel like here's the thing i feel like we were so kind of like oh to that song we didn't really talk about any references in it because we were too busy talking about how like it didn't work yeah it just didn't work (laughs) but when you go back and you listen to it like it's kind of reminiscent to I've grown accustomed to her face from my fair lady Mm -hmm. but the story that the song is telling is is a little bit closer to if I ever would leave you from from Camelot but it still didn't work (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you're like all the references it's not gonna help it yeah, well they, yeah so but like, it was yeah no i agree with those 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 two especially uh the song from camelot and yeah that's definitely they land up a lot um but yeah i mean there are a lot of references kind of throughout and there's probably even you know more that we didn't even hit um you could probably sit you know and there's there's as you know with writers um, I like to think about a lot of the times is that, you know, every reference that's in something is not something necessarily something that we wrote in. It's, you know, it just kind of happens. You know, sometimes it just happens when you, especially when you're trying to reference things, you just reference everything. Um, but yeah, so there's probably stuff in there that we're not even seeing, that nobody's even seen. There's stuff there that, you know, just kind of happened. And it's always fun to kind of take these apart and look at it. And, you know, play around with it. Uh, yeah. It do you was... have any last comments about the show? No. I mean, I'm, I really hope that Apple does um, go forward with the season two. I, I feel like 
where the show left, yes, it's a great place to end if they're gonna just end it all. But there's also so, so, so much potential to do so many more um, episodes and to create so many more um, memories and, and um, storylines and plots and developments for the characters that they already have. So we'll see what happens, you guys. But um, overall, like I said, it was a great show. I'm I'm not 100% satisfied with how it ended, but I'm I'm more satisfied than I was. Yeah, I I mean I still think it was a good show overall, and I still enjoyed it, uh, and I enjoyed going through it for sure and watching it and talking about it with you. Um, and which kind of leads us to, uh, you know, we're going to take a break. Uh, this will be the last episode for this particular show. Uh, but there might be some other smashing shows down the road that we will kind of be working on soon. Cough, you know, cough. just some shows that will let me be your star. And, <laughs> you know, I we hope that you will we'll probably still post them here. Um on this page um but so be on the lookout for that we'll put out an episode um kind of letting you know what our next plan is for the for the next show um but we hope that you'll uh join us for that and we hope that uh you know, we can start to discuss another musical theater show, TV show. I mean, if you haven't figured out what it is by now, um, then, you know, um, maybe it'll encourage you to watch it. Maybe you haven't seen it. Um, but we're going to start that. Hopefully, we're going to take a break for a little bit, and then we'll let you know when we kind of begin to start with that. Um, but this has been the sixth episode of Schmigadoonery. The number one podcast for dissecting and reviewing the new Apple TV show, Schmigadoon. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure to comment, like, and subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Uh, we will be putting out episodes soon of a new podcast weekly, so make sure you check in uh, and listen to see what we're going to do next. Uh, you can also subscribe to our main page at Mosaics. That's M-O-S-A-I-X. Uh, that's all social media uh, for any updates of what else we're doing. Uh, until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye, guys.